let's say I could, you would earn $5,000 a month for the rest of your life. Like it's given to you. It's free. It's yours forever. What would you spend your time doing? Like you don't have to work. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to. It'll, that would comfortably pay for, you know, a, a pretty decent life in the suburbs somewhere. If you want to live there, you can just stay there and just be happy forever. But what would you spend your time doing? And so many people go, I have no idea. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Um, today we're going to be talking with this guy that I met at Podcast Movement a couple weeks ago. I met a lot of really, really awesome podcasters there. And today we're going to be talking with Cody Crab, who is self-employed and does audio and like podcast production. Um, so I'll just let you really quickly introduce yourself, whatever you think the audience should know about you. Yeah. So I am a, uh, I'm 29. I live in Salt Lake City. Um, I'm a dad. I've got, uh, I've got one on the, so I've got one, one kid and then one on the way. Um, and I, yeah, that's, that's pretty much me right now. That's like 99% of my life right now. So that's pretty, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> um, I was in Salt Lake city in like 2019, 2018. And I loved it. I had a great time there. Yeah. It's, I, I absolutely love it here. Um, it has a kind of a reputation, but it's, it's honestly great. When you say yeah. reputation, like like Mormons or like what, what are you talking about? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other thing. I'm actually a Mormon, too. So you might. But uh, yeah, it's got a reputation of like, oh, everyone's kind of like stuck up or people are kind of rude or, or even just kind of like backwater, like super conservative, like hyper conservative religious people, stuff like that. So but yeah. it's I feel like that's what I've heard about it. That it's like a, yeah. a conservative place. And it in a lot of ways it is. But Salt Lake City specifically is kind of a bubble it's almost like mini Portland. Like it's kind of a super liberal, like little, I feel like that happens in a lot of big cities in, in uh, states like that though. Yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell one very quick story about Salt Lake city and then we can actually work, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. talk about the thing we want to talk about. And so, so I was there for a conference, a Qualtrics conference. Hmm. And, um, cause the, cause Qualtrics is head, headquartered yeah. in, Provo, in Provo, I, yep. I think. And, Imagine Dragons was playing the, the conference. It was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and like Barack Obama spoke at it. It was absolutely insane. Why? Why? I don't know. I don't know why Qualtrics had all this money or has all this money. I don't know how they got all this money. But like. What did Barack had, Obama have to say about Qualtrics? He had nothing to say. It was it was like it was like he was speaking about leadership. Oh, OK. You know. OK. And him. OK. Look, I'll just, him and Oprah Winfrey had <laughs> lore keynotes what? for this. And and they had a free Imagine Dragons concert that I did not attend because I think they're the worst band I've ever played. <laughs> and and then I, that's when I learned that Imagine Dragons was Mormon actually. But whatever. Yeah, that's true. Oh, they are. Um, yep, I didn't true. know that. I, yeah, they're Mormon. Mm -hmm. They're Mormon guys. I, they're not like a Mormon band. Like sure. they make yeah. Christian music, yeah. but yeah. they are Mormon. I think. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. And, There's a few but, out there actually anyways, that kind of originated in that area. Neon Trees you. is another one. Oh. Um, do you know what's wow? This okay. I have another diversion, which is that, <laughs> which is that, which is that I was recently talking to somebody and I was like, you know what? Because Neon Trees was on, and I was like, I think Neon Trees is like Imagine Dragons, but kind of good. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. <laughs> like, I think Neon Trees makes good music that like Imagine Dragons kind of wishes they could. That, that's, I don't a, know, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with that. Um, 
anyways, none of this is what I actually wanted to say originally, <laughs> which is that I went to Salt Lake City and I had sushi there at this joint and it was fantastic. And this dude was like, this dude that I worked with was like, hey, when you go to Salt Lake City, you have to go to this place to get sushi. What is it? I've never heard of this place. Um, okay, I'll, let me see if I can do a quick Google and figure was it out. Was it in Salt Lake City like, or was it in Provo? It was It was in Salt Lake was City Was it Sushi proper. Groove? I don't know. Oh, Hold on. Okay. Well, I just that's the only one. You I could heard. just go back in your Google Maps timeline and whatever, and like I, yeah, but I don't reverse engineer. I, that makes it. me so uncomfortable. I don't like doing <laughs> yeah, that. I know. I could, I'd rather just be ignorant <laughs> that that exists. Honestly. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you can turn it off. <laughs> I I know. Um, that's not what I'm. Ta- I, I I don't want to turn it off. It's useful, but I don't want to acknowledge <laughs> that it's there because it's terrifying. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel almost exactly the same. <laughs> But this dude, he was like, you got to go to this joint. And then we went and it was amazing. And I was like, why the fuck do they have amazing (laughs) sushi in Salt Lake City? Yeah. Well, you're welcome, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you and your city for giving me just a really good and like ridiculously lavish conference experience. Yeah, really. Damn. Why did you move there originally? Oh, I was born here. Oh, you were born there? Yeah, born and raised Salt Lake City. Oh, like your yep. parents are Mormon mm-hmm. as well, yep. and therefore they lived in Salt Lake City already. I <laughs> yeah, guess. I mean it's not necessarily <laughs> my my, uh, my parents were actually not from here originally. Um, oh, okay. So they they lived back east. My my grandpa was in the military, so all over the U.S. My mom was born in Mississippi. Dad was born in uh, like Washington D.C. I think. I think. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's I, I should know that. But yeah, what? then they they both ended up here. <laughs> cool. So. Um. Yep. So tell us about your thoughts on work. Oh man. It's a good yeah. thing that you set up a microphone here because I have so much to say. So yeah. um, I haven't always. <laughs> so as as this is, uh, we're going to we're going to dive into kind of my story here, um, yeah. which is kind of me being screwed over by a couple different companies and stuff and kind of making a big decision. So, um, oh, man, I love this little trailer. Yeah. Oh, it's, seriously, it's, <laughs> it's a it's a big one. So I remember being 18 years old, graduating high school, going to work at an office. My brother had my brother was like an IT guy at this office. It was a really small company. So he got me this job that was kind of like a data entry, whatever company. And I remember a day or a week into this place, I was like, I can't do this. I Is this what people do for 40 years and then they die? Like seriously? And so I remember having those thoughts like right away as soon as I started working. So this is not like me just being sick of work or something. Um, so over the years, I've kind of gotten pigeonholed into customer service because I'm really good at, I'm really interpersonal and I'm really cheerful and I don't get upset. So I'm, re- I'm a really good fit for those kinds of things. And I always get looped into those kinds of roles. So I ended up working for this startup uh, that was this really cool little startup. Um, everything like on paper was so great. Like they had this really cool gym on site. They had all these like free snacks and food and stuff. And they had all this like tons of time off. And for the for the job, it was like pretty high pay. I was like pretty happy with it at the time. And then Walmart bought them out. <laughs> um, I hate to see that. Yeah. Oof. So by this time, by this time, I had been working in customer service for like, like several years now. It's it had been like five, at least five or six years. Um, and by this point, I was married. So I, I got married when I was twenty three. So I was pretty young when I got married. I, I ended up working for this startup that was owned by Walmart. So eventually, it just became Walmart. And my wife's back. She just randomly had a disc on her back 
go out, um, which was totally unexpected. She's super, super young. So it was like super weird that that would happen. But basically we went to go get her surgery because the, her doctor said, Oh, this is the worst one I've ever seen in my life. And it was this crazy thing. And they told us that they weren't going to cover it. The insurance said that this is an elective surgery and that they're not going to cover it. So Sick. Yeah, right. Wow. I know. This is this is at the very end of a year. So it was like December 29th. So I was I suddenly went, "Oh crap. Like if I don't quit this job today, I'm going to have to she we're going to have we're going to have insurance for another month. We won't be eligible to buy insurance from the marketplace because I'll have technically have insurance, which means they won't cover this surgery and she needs surgery. So we'll have to pay for it out of pocket. So I was stuck going, I have to quit my job like right now, like right now. Yeah. Like in this moment. <laughs> yeah. It was the 29th of December. So I was like, I have to quit. So I just walked in and I walked out and that was it. And I, so, okay. That, that's the, that's the kind of intro here, but kind of, I've never really, I've never really felt like, I fit in with people at work. Like I've always been kind of like the standout, like I, I don't want to do this. Like, I feel like I'm trying to hack the system to make it easier, like trying to, you know what I mean? But basically after all this, I ended up, um, working for working as a social media manager for uh, a group of YouTubers here in Utah. And it was super fun. I kind of controlled my hours. I was, I, you know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, like they just needed an assistant kind of thing. So by this point it was just me and just them. And so it was much better because I was, I was basically self-employed at this point, but they still had a lot of control over my schedule. Um, but eventually I just went, you know what? I need to do this for myself. I need control. I need to know what I'm doing is just for me. And if I put extra effort, it should benefit me and not someone else. And so I made the decision to dive into podcast production full time. And here we are full time. Mm -hmm. I do it full time now. And it's, it's been really rewarding. There's, of course, there's, there's questions, there's like issues and questions and, and there's uncertainty, but I am so much happier now that I'm doing this my, for myself. Um, and I'm sure you guys have a bunch of questions. But I guess that's kind of the short, the not short yeah. version. I was going to say the short version. It's not short at all. <laughs> well, I mean, what was it that was kind of disillusioning you about the workplace that you were trying to like get these shortcuts or whatever? Like, well, I mean, I think a lot of people that anyone that's worked in like a call center could probably not even a call center, just kind of any job like that. That's like really repetitive and things like that. Kind of white collar jobs like that. Um, mm -hmm. It start like it's you kind of go toward how can I kind of do the least amount of work to just get me through like, you know what I mean? Like, how do I just not get do you fired had, like quotas or whatever? Yeah. Every job I've ever yeah. had is like, you have to do this many calls. You have to have this percentage of this. You have to always, yeah. every job yeah. I've ever had is like that. Yeah. To me that, that is like worst case. Mind numbing. Right. <laughs> well, you and know, like, like I said, I every time I've tried to get out of it, it's always just been the only jobs I can get are these were, were these customer service jobs because it's like I have all this experience now and that's just now that's who I am on my resume. That's they see this guy that that's just what I do. So it was so hard to break out of that because people it's like almost like, you know, like like Brad Pitt trying to be the funny guy. Like, I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but like everyone's going to be like, but you're Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You have to be you have to be Brad Pitt, dude. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's did you, it was hard to break. I can't out. remember if you said this. Did you go to Did you go to school college? I did go to school for music production, um, 
and of course there's a, there's an easy leap there. I knew how to do audio stuff and I knew kind of media and video and everything. So it was kind of an easy transition over, but uh, of course I wasn't using any of those skills in, in this job. I was just kind of taking calls and being a robot and uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Did you have a passion for music production at the time? Or oh, for sure. Flash, do you still have oh, it? Oh, I absolutely still do. It's, it's one of those things where I kind of went, this is a hobby for me um, because I mean, as any musician knows, like making money with music is so hard and it's, this actually ties in really well with, with, um, kind of my, my decisions to do kind of freelance work because it took me a long time to realize like, to me personally, a career, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what the work is. It matters what it allows me to do. So um, I realized like being a film composer, which is kind of my dream since I was a kid, really, I was, I learned, oh, well they have to put in tons of hours and I would have to move to LA and I would never see my family and there's crazy deadlines. And I, you know, I, I realized at some point, like my priority, I've got a toddler and I love this kid and I want to be around him as much as possible. I've got this wife that I love and I want to be around her. And my priority is not my career. It's just not. And it's never, it's really never been. It's, it was like, if it could work, then great, but it just won't because of the way this career that I chose was. So I kind of took, I took a step almost like I took a step back and went, okay, what's the life that I want? What do I want my free time to look like? What kind of flexibility do I want? How, like, you know, things like that. And then I, I worked backwards from there. Okay. Well, if I want to work 20, 30 hours a week, how do I make that happen? How do I, like, it doesn't work the other way around. Like you just are, you're just kind of, you end up in a job and you work the hours you work. But I kind of created, I, I created a, a job for myself and then went, oh yeah, nobody will let me do this unless I just do it myself. I have to be my own boss. So that's why it ended up that way. I think this really highlights sort of a dichotomy, especially I think that I've witnessed in DC. I think there's like really the like, live to work people and then the work to live people yeah right yeah 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 there are these people especially in dc who like have moved here because they feel like you know this is going to be the place that launches their their career and you know you name it politics lobbying you know consulting whatever and those people are you know they're like i work 80 hour weeks because i think it's going to pay off and then there's like me and when? like the people that I've surrounded myself with and like a lot of people that I know that are like similar to what you were talking about, Cody. It's like, all right, what do I want? Like, what do I want with my life? And I feel like we're all kind of accepting that, you know, like I feel like my job is always just going to be a way, like a means for me to live outside of work. You know, like I, I, I'm kind of content yeah. doing a thing that I don't hate so that you know, I can do things that are dope after work. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and along with that too, like that's, that's one of the reasons that I, I really like podcast production. It's, it's something I'm really good at. It's something that I enjoy without it being like my number one, yeah. like passion in life. And so it's like, it's a good, it's, it's something good for me because it uses my skills and stuff, but it's not like, like you said, it's a means to an end. Like I could do without it. If I never, if someone said you can never edit a podcast again, I wouldn't be like, no, yeah. you know? <laughs> so 
I agree. I totally agree. Same. I feel and it's way. not like you ever walk into the career center and they, they'll they'll ever frame it that way for you. Right. Like it's so counter this narrative of what people think your career should be. Well, and I do feel like one of the reasons that I, I wanted to kind of talk on this podcast about that is because I do feel like later, like as as generations move on, that is something mm-hmm. that's being that's more and more like people are questioning it. Like, hey, I don't want to work 40 hours in a week in an office until I'm dead. Like totally, you know, people are, people do move jobs when they don't like it. And like my mom, she's a baby boomer. I'm a really, I'm really young in my family. And so she's just baffled by the fact that I've never worked at a job for five years. She's like, what you, I've, I think I've bought two years is the longest I ever worked at a job. And so she, and she just was blown away by that because it's just, she just doesn't, that's just doesn't compute to her. You work at a job, you stay there until you get a retirement. She's actually retired and has a pension. <laughs> which is more than she was earning when she was actually working there. So like, <laughs> wow, that doesn't exist wow. anymore, but yeah. I know, unheard right? of. So this, like, it's so funny though, like in one generation, how she has that. And I have the opposite. It's completely like, if I stop working, yeah. that's it. I don't have, I don't have any income. Yeah. It's just all up I, to me. So my job is full of people. There's like a legacy of people coming in and staying for 20, 30, like decades, you know? And I'm a researcher and I work at a think tank. And um, it's so funny because now like my generation is here and we're like, oh, yeah, a lot of us are like, we're gonna work here until we start grad school or like we're gonna work here for, you know, one or two years. And then when, when we realize that you're not trying to promote us, we're gonna leave, <laughs> you know? Like my, my, my boss at my first like real office job told me as i was like trying to find a different job that she was like yeah you know the only real way you're going to get a significant pay grade is if you get a new job at a different place or if you get a new job offer and you leverage it to get a raise at your current place like essentially she was saying you will never get significant pay bumps from promotions within the same from being promoted within the same company yeah, and that's bananas because that totally used to be a thing. Like that, that if that used to be what people did, they'd go in for their annual performance review and they'd go, "I'd like a ten percent <laughs> raise, please." And they talk like that in my head. Um, <laughs> they, and then they, and then it's fine. And then they just they walk out, and that's and then they earn enough money to, and their their employer matches their four hundred one k contributions, and they get a little pension, and like it's just not like that anymore. And that's again, all of this is just part of the reason. I wanted to be self-employed because if I want to raise, I can go next time I get a client, I go, Hey, I'm raising my rate. I can do it myself. And it's, it's up to me. So yeah, big, big time, big time reason. I, I hate the office politics yeah, that's stuff, man. Easily the worst the performance reviews, the, Oh man, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, and I'm not talking like coworker, coworker to coworker. I'm talking about just having this front up all the time of like, being professional, like I'm not like unprofessional to my clients, but like, I feel like I have to have this extra layer of like working here is the best thing ever. We're a family. It's fine. Like, and I, it's just, no one really believes that even like the upper management doesn't believe that that's just what they do. And yeah. Right. We're all just walking into interviews and there's this facade like you're never going to be like, yeah, work isn't really the main thing in my life. I right? know they'd be like, like, what do you mean? What do you mean you yeah. only want to work 40 hours a week? <laughs> you don't have a passion for customer service. <laughs> what are you what are you doing? Yeah, I 
I kind of baffled people weird. when I told them when I was interviewing for the jobs that I have now, or the, like in this round of jobs that I'm working now. I had just taken to being like, you know, because people always ask you about your like your work life balance in interviews, and you know, I feel like the capitalism and the culture really wants us to lie and be like, you know, work work is really important to me, and sometimes if you got to stay the extra hours to get it done, then that's what it is, and. It's, you know, and I stopped saying I I was like, oh, yeah, my personal time is really important to me. So, you know, I try to get everything I need to get done in the in the eight hour workday. So I don't I, I will try. I try, intentionally try to minimize overtime as much as possible. <laughs> you know, like I'm just tired of lying to people <laughs> in interviews about what my intentions are. Well, and that's the thing is that most people are scared to not say that. Like, because yeah. it might cost you the job. Like, I, I wish that I could have, I wish that yeah, I felt like, like I could have done that, but I was too scared because I was like, I need like this working job. hard you know? really just does bite you in the ass. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like if you set a precedent <laughs> really that you're does. a hard worker and that's your standard, then that's what people come to expect from you. And if you're... Especially because it's so unmeritocratic, right? Like, often working harder doesn't actually equate to more money for you. No, it almost never right? does. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right. Like maybe once in a blue moon you get a promotion, but it's like this weird thing that we like believe so hard in meritocracy in this country, and yet like companies themselves are pretty almost socialist in that way, right? Like they're not meritocratic at all. <laughs> no, not not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's I actually I stopped believing that so long ago because it was one of those things where I was part of it like. Oh, so it doesn't, nothing matters then. This is just all random. Like I don't have to try. Like if I try, I may, or I may get a raise or I may get a promotion, but like, it's just random. Like it depends on who, who the people like better. And, and the other thing too, is that, um, and this is what I mean by the office politics kind of thing is like, you know, I feel like being honest and feed and giving feedback and criticizing where, when necessary is actively discouraged because people don't want to look like that. You know what I mean? It's active. They're, they're biting themselves in the butt because they, they want feedback and to improve supposedly, but no one's going to give that to them because they're too afraid. And so it's this kind of cycle that's kind of, it's just gotten worse and worse over time until it's graduated to this point, you know? And I think that, you know, I think that there is some sort of degree of maybe our generation can like make some strides in impacting more culture. I, I like I feel like I'm seeing that in some of the jobs that I've been doing. For sure. But, you know, still very much largely the other stuff. Like, <laughs> like, do I feel like my opinion is hurt at my job? Yeah, I do. But at the end of the time, I, at the end of the day, I know I'm I'm a cog in the machine. Right. Like I, I'm replaceable they're replaceable not only are you replaceable but like you know the employees collectively are you know like in my first job out of college it was a small tech company and we knew exactly how much like the the clients were paying for the contracts of the courses we were producing and we were like wait a second like that's a lot of money they're paying for work that literally just the three of us are doing like, and we're getting paid like 55 K like <laughs> what's going on yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> what's exactly. what's yeah. happening here. Well, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like think of all the layers that has to filter down 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in three people, the same exact people could do the same right. exact job. Exactly. On Eliminate 99% Every job of I've had, I'm like, wait a second. Themselves. We should all just like, we all actually enjoy working together. We should just go do this exact same thing <laughs> same as like a for co-op ourselves or, or something. Or, you know, yeah. Exactly. Right? Like I do designs. Well, and we do this design is the thing, like something. that equates to less right. work. Exactly. <laughs> like, like I can't, I, my brain does not comprehend. And I'm sure you guys have talked about this a lot, just knowing about your podcast and talking to you for a short time, but like these people that just go, Oh, I've, I'm worth a hundred million dollars. How can I double that? Like, what's the point? Like, what do you, what are you going to do yeah. with that money? You know what I mean? And so, so like, but I'm on such, I'm on such a smaller scale than that. I'm like, if I can, if I could make six figures, I would feel like the richest person on the, in the world. And like, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't feel like I would need to do more than that. Like once I hit a certain point, I'm going to work fewer hours. I'm going to do less work because I feel like I've actually achieved some level of comfort you know what i mean yeah. so that's and and you can't really do that at a at a you can't just be like oh by the way you like to, you know with this promotion i would like to work 30 you know like 30 hours a week instead right yeah oh my gosh if okay if, if i could have done if i could have just taken an hour like kept my salary taken an hour off instead like i i would have done that in a heartbeat like literally like i seriously if you could pay me the same amount just let me have let me work less time that would have been so much more valuable to me the one thing because I'm actually like I'm in a in a job right now contract based but I'm it's ending in October and I'm going to be doing I'm going to be self-employed and I'm starting a business but the one thing that makes me so apprehensive about it is that I hate working alone and it feels very lonely right and it feels like on the one hand a lot of these trends that we're seeing right in terms of like you know employment are, and and just generally like in society like secularization and stuff like that i think they're very like empowering to the individual in certain ways but then also i feel like it also loses this sense of community because i do think like in this classic like oh i've been working in this job for 30 years and they give me a pension there was this more like sense of like oh like my company really cares about me right and like you know they want me to thrive because they and, did yeah I would right. argue that they actually did back then. Like they would give raises. They would get, they would give you all these perks to work at a place like that. And I, you could make this argument that, yeah, they do care about you because they've kept you there this long and they've incentivized you to stay there. But now they have all that same culture of like, we love you. We're <laughs> but family. With none of the perks. We care about you with none of that. <laughs> yeah. With none of those things. But why do you think that is? Because like, you know, the same capitalist incentives were there before like is it just because there's more workers and that you're more disposable or what i think personally i think uh, this is anecdotal i don't really have any data for this but i think it's because sure first of all they go wait you're telling me we don't have to contribute to their 401ks and they just won't do anything like they're what are they going to quit you know like like they just slowly make these little adjustments over time of like wait you're telling me we don't have to pay a pension like no one will, like what will they do you know we'll just stop paying it and then we'll we have more money um, I think it's little incremental changes like that. And then new companies come around and they go, well, we don't even have to offer this yeah. to be competitive. Like, would yeah. they, why would they, why would they contribute to your 401k when they don't have to? Yeah, because that was no going to be you know? similar to what I was going to say, Cody, about like, I think that, you know, in earlier versions of the American economy, there, there were a couple of like big super conglomerate giant companies, but there are certainly more now. And they're bigger and they're more powerful 
and they have a higher market share or higher concentration of the market share in industries, right? And I think that these giant companies, one, are so big that they get to essentially just decide on a policy on how they're going to treat their employees. And that becomes immediately becomes the industry standard, right? Like if Google, you know, if Walmart decides, um, and and we're seeing obviously backlash to that in today's day and age, but like, you know, in 1990, if, if, and maybe they did, but I don't know if Walmart decided, you know what? Yeah. We're just not gonna, we're not gonna do pensions anymore. or We're not going to do 401ks anymore or whatever, you know, they can do that. (laughs) And then, and then every other grocery or department store is like, Oh, Walmart's doing it. Yeah. And that's like, that's, you know, then, okay, cool. That's what we're going to, that's what we're going to do. Well, see, and that's how it should work. What, how it should work is give me, give me le- like this leave, give, give me parental leave, paid parental leave, or I'm going to go work at this other place that has it. That's yeah. how it's supposed to work. But how it ends up working is they go, oh, sweet. We can cut that. Yeah, no sick. problem. Let's do it. <laughs> Cause it's, it like, it's, it trends way toward way more toward yeah. let's cut all and this stuff. I mean, it's because offering stuff the, the I have a perfect illustration of this. Actually, when I worked at that startup before mm-hmm. Walmart, it was called jet. Um, when I worked there, they offered 16 weeks of parental leave. Um, and for both parents too. So that's like, that never happens. You never see that now. Um, and the Walmart came in and they changed it to two weeks. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I actually got grandfathered in. I was the last person at that company to get the 16 mm-hmm. weeks, which was like pretty great. Um, They're like, but, hmm, but that's perfect. 14 example though. days. <laughs> that sound good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 10, 10 yeah. working days. 10, 10 working 10 days. days. You can figure out what to do with your child in 10 working days, right? You're like, that's it's, good. <laughs> that's all the time. They two, two weeks paid, uh, 12 weeks unpaid <laughs> is worthy. And, and only for the, only for the birth parent. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. seriously, like wild. Yeah. You know, I feel like a lot of our conversations come down to this, but I mean, it is ultimately about policy, right? Like our government yeah. obviously loves businesses and companies way more than they love the worker and you know it that clearly reflects in the policy landscape the thing is we have more policies now than back then when they were quote-unquote nicer right like i i think it's a policy thing but it's also a really fundamental example of a market failure right people would say you know exactly what you're saying cody right they would say like oh well you know then the market should solve this problem the company that offers a better benefit should get better workers and more workers and therefore they're going to make more money. Yeah. Right. But, is, but it just doesn't work like happens, that. Right. Instead, it's like, instead, it's like, I want to well, work at yeah. Google and I'm willing to take whatever bullshit Google offers me to work at Google. But the thing is, Google, that's, Google, that's also what's weird. Google, though, is that Google, Google offers good. Great, yeah, the, right. And like, why? Right? Example. Because they don't it's have really to. Like, I want right? to work at uh, fucking Deloitte and I will, you know, I'll take the nice company card. I think Deloitte's actually good too. No, they take, Deloitte they, actually offers they a take pension. The, they take the nice, or they have a nice company card and a nice pension, but you have, it's understood that you're going to work 80 or 90 hours a fucking week there. So, Cody, you mentioned this moment where you were like, oh, okay, this is what it is. And I think that that is like the moment of awakening that so many millennials have in their stupid ass office jobs me being one of them where i'm you know i was like oh okay this is all bullshit <laughs> like yeah not, so like, none of this matters like it's not not only does it not matter very much it, i could leave and no, yeah. it wouldn't even like, like if i left n- my team might be care. mildly inconvenienced but they'd be able to replace me pretty soon 
and not only they would. would they be able to, they would. They probably, but by the time you walk out the door, that listing's up on on yeah. Indeed or whatever, you know. And I think that that moment, while like a little sad, is also so liberating. And and that's why when I have the one of my friends, yeah. I, I have very few of them, but my friends that are very very career driven that give so much to their jobs, I am like, dude, like I really wish you could have this awakening moment because you're giving so much of your soul to this job that does not give a about you. yeah when it's worse for i think there's at least an argument when you're in like a really skilled field like i don't know programming like you have this really valuable skill and you can like if you can really earn a lot of money if you get find a right the right company even if you're earn even if you're getting like driven into the ground at least you're offering this really valuable skill to this really valuable company and they'll they'll pay, compensate you very well for it probably but if it when it really fails is these kind of lower end jobs where they just need like a chimp with a heartbeat and they could just throw a headset on them and that's pretty much all they need so like and and you have no those levels of of workers especially and that i would say that's the vast majority of workers are in jobs like that um they have no maybe not the vast majority but like a large portion at the very least they they have no bargaining power because they don't have this massive set of skills necessarily. They're just trying to get by. And so, and, and that's the other thing too that I think has been lost is that the actual skills in a job, in a job market, like you describe in the past, like those skills are built over time and you can go to school and get a degree and then get that job. And, but it just, it's just not that way for so many people in our generation mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And I wonder, especially because I think a lot about, this notion of, uh, you know, automation and the fact that like we might not have jobs anymore or whatever. Mm. And I wonder, Cody, what (laughs) do you feel like if you could just design your ideal society, what would work look like? Would we work at all? Like what, what do you think that should be? Well, this is actually a really interesting concept because so I live in Utah, as I have mentioned, and I'm kind of the lone progressive of most of my friends. Um, and I've talked to them a lot about this and it's like, it's like, so I think that in the future, obviously most jobs are going to slowly start disappearing. Anything that has to do with technology, eventually you're, you're hosed there. You, you will be replaced by a robot for sure. Podcast editing. I'm just wait. It's this close. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm getting in right now, but man, it's close. Um, so I think that eventually we're going to see a big shift. I think that there's going to have to be some kind of universal universal basic income. There's going to be have to be something like that because frankly, not every job needs to be done. It just doesn't. <laughs> like customer service, 95% of it could disappear forever and it would barely be noticed. You could send an email to a robot. They would forward the request to the right person to help you out. It wouldn't even have to necessarily be any, like there, there are so many things that, that just don't need to be done. And I think what you said, what, you know, if I could design a society, you know, I think a lot of people want to do, I talked, I, this is the question I asked to a lot of people, what would you do? Let's say I could, you would earn $5,000 a month for the rest of your life. Like it's given to you. It's free. It's yours forever. What would you spend your time doing? Like you don't have to work. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to. It'll that would comfortably pay for, you know, a, a pretty decent life in the suburbs somewhere. If you want to live there, you can just stay there and just be happy forever. But what would you spend your time doing? And so many people go, I have no idea. 
I have no idea, but I think people would do things like volunteer. They would, they would, um, you know, go to kids' schools and try to like use their skills to be like, Hey, I could, I could teach an art class or I could do this or go, go to a community. Let's start a community garden or like, let's volunteer at a homeless shelter or build an, a whole charity by themselves. Like there, there is so much good that could be done from something like that because right now work, if you're not doing a job that you're passionate about, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to you. It's, there's no point. You don't feel like there's a reason to do it. But if you are actively, if you, if you get a reason to do it, like if you think of, Hey, that's an injustice, I'm going to fix that. And you have time to do it and you have money coming in because that's just how society is. You're going to do it. I would, if I, if I just had money rolling in, I can think of several causes that I'm really passionate about. I think I would lobby really hard and protest and, and volunteer for organizations that offer parental leave because that was so formative for me. And, and it was this big deal in my life. So I think, like you said, I think we need to kind of shift the way we think about work because a lot of jobs are just, they're going to disappear and it's whether, whether or not we're ready for it, it's going to happen. So it's a question of, you know, when, not, not if. It would also look so different if we designed a society, like capitalism is all about solving problems, right? I think basic core of it, companies are just solving problems for people in exchange for money. But the problems that are most needed to be solved in our society are not solvable by capitalism. Capitalism just can't solve homelessness, <laughs> right? Just it just can't solve hunger. Yeah, we've got to do something else. And and it's it's if it doesn't cost money, or if it's something that doesn't generate money, that means we have to use solutions that either have money donated into them or just people use their time. And the only two ways to do that are get taxes, take or I guess three ways, get tax, like pull people's taxes from them, get donations, voluntary contributions. And the only other way is people just doing things for free. Yeah. yeah. Like that's it. Those are our only options. Yeah. And like there's um a really cool concept I think is the Andrew Yang concept about like this notion of like social credits. Like what if we had an economy where we just got social credits for doing things that were pro social? And like the, at the end of the day also those things do result in economic value, right? Because the the city does pay money per homeless person, poor whatever, but like that doesn't ever get captured anywhere meaningfully enough for that to make a difference. I mean, same things for things like climate, right? Like, you know, there's so many like th that's why the notion of things like carbon pricing is so radical, because like a lot of these things just never get priced in unless you actively make an effort policy wise to price yeah. it in. I, I feel yeah. like policy was trying to do that with the whole like, you know, like buying emission voucher things mm -hmm. and then it just completely backfired. It was just like. It was just like, oh, yeah, we can we'll make, you know, we'll just incentivize the creation of a whole nother economy where people buy and sell emissions vouchers it's, <laughs> to get around. I wanted to pivot the talk a little bit to talk about um, or to give Cody the chance and I guess you as well, too, the chance to talk about like some of the challenges that come with being self-employed. Like I was thinking about how hard it would be for me if I had a service to like, you know, just figure out what the fuck I'm going to charge for my <laughs> services. Like, what am I worth? Like being self-employed literally means you have to figure out what you are worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, and it so, sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, at least you get to do that over someone else deciding for you. Yeah, no, it's worth, better for right? sure. But I'm, I'm, kind of. my, my question is, <laughs> my, my question is like, yeah, was that hard? 
Cody, was it hard for you to figure out what you were? I mean, as you can imagine, there's a lot of trial and error of like, cause it's just, it's just nothing. Like there's no reason that something is worth a certain, so it's what people will pay for it. So like I, I started it's out, totally arbitrary. Yeah, li- literally, I could, if I said, I don't know, $900 per podcast episode, if people will pay it, then great. That's, you know, that's all I have to do. But you know, if I, it was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of finding potential clients and saying, well, how about this much money? And they go, whoa, that's way too high. Never mind. I'm, I'm out. Or they go, then I go, well, how about this much money? And they a little bit too eagerly accept. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll have two, please. Yeah. Like as soon as I realized as like it, it takes some, and then you slowly start kind of edging it upwards until you kind of see people kind of unsure and then around there i think but like you said you're kind of deciding this for yourself so i think it depends on your experience and it depends on but like it it was a lot of trial and error um like you mentioned kind of different struggles too as you can imagine everything's uncertain like i could have everyone decide i'm not going to do a podcast anymore on the same day (laughs) and i have no job um or I, i don't earn any money or you know heaven forbid i have people say and this is like it is it's not like i'm doing heart surgery like this is i'm creating an entertainment product this is not a necessary some people might just decide i don't really want to do this anymore as a, as something that i offer so it's it's an it's an arbitrary amount of money that they're just deciding to pay me because they want to do this arbitrary thing in their life so i have a lot i work with a lot of people that have businesses so it's kind of a side product of their business so if they decide that's not functioning for them anymore. It's, there's a lot of ambiguity. Um, so I do have kind of some redundancy. So let's say I need 100% money to, to kind of live off of. I kind of have a little bit of extra like redundancy to make sure that I can kind of get by week to week and stuff. But it, it is kind of empowering to, to have, uh, to decide my, my worth is as bad as that sounds like to say, no, I want you to pay me this much. And if you don't, I don't want to work with you. Like that feels really good to be able to decide that myself and not someone telling me here's this crappy task you have to do. And here's how much I'll pay you every hour that you do it. Congr- like, good luck. You have to do it. Cause you work here. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I get to decide yeah. if I don't like you, I don't, no matter how good of a client you are, I don't have to work with you. And that's really, really empowering. It does feel like one of those things where it's like, you know, you know how people are like, you know, you, the they assume that if you charge more that it's going to be worth more and they'll value it more inherently. It's like one of those just I've like absolutely kind found of that to be the case. Psychological things, yep. right? Oh, yeah, for sure. When I started out. So when I, I you need experience to get experience, of course. So I was like, well, I'm going to edit podcasts on. Have you ever heard of Fiverr? Mm -hmm. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, it's like this, it's kind of like a marketplace where you can buy stuff real cheap, um, as services and things like that, graphic design, things like that. So I was editing podcasts for like $10 an episode. When I started out, I would spend so long on them and it was just, I was, have you ever seen Napoleon dynamite where he's like counting the coins after spending all day? And he's like, it's like a dollar an hour. That's literally how I would feel. Um, (laughs) and I eventually I would go, I would just venture out and be like, $20 an episode and I just kind of wait and see what they saw said and but but it was you know it really was from the ground up I just had to go I have to find something and and make it work but I I really hate charging by the hour now that you mentioned that um there's this video that's going around right now have you guys seen it it's uh it's basically this guy giving a talk and he said he charges $18,000 to make a logo for a company and this guy raises his hand he's like 
well, that's, that's ridiculous. Like I could have someone do it so much cheaper than he's like, well, yeah, but I charge 18,000 because I'm, I'm really good. I've been doing this for a super long time and whatever. And he goes, well, how long is it going to take you? And he's like, probably a few hours. And he goes, so is it really worth, (laughs) is, is it really worth like all this money? Like per, like you're only working for a few hours. And he goes, well, if you're, if you don't pay, if you pay somebody by the hour, you're punishing them for being good. (laughs) <laughs> because they'll work for fewer, they'll work fewer hours. And so they will, you know, if you did it, if you take a long time, they'll go, well, how is, why is this so expensive? If you don't, if you do it in a short amount of time, then you're getting punished for being good. So I charge by the episode for that exact reason. If I work faster, good for me. I get paid more money per, per hour. If I take a longer time, good for them. They got some value for their money. And I, you know, but charging per hour is one of those things that like I've, I've over time just decided I'm never going to do that again. It's so archaic. Like so much of our current work environment is literally just a product of the industrial revolution. Right. And we just don't make widgets anymore. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) like that. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy that we do this time based labor for intellectual work. I don't think we, I don't even think yeah, we need, it, uh, we definitely shouldn't be working 40 hours a week. I think, I think we should be working oh, four days no a week. Oh, no shot. Yeah. No shot we should be working 40 <laughs> hours a week. It's given how much time I know that I spend not working during the work day. <laughs> and I know that others spend not working during the work day, right? Like, this is a huge reckoning for me with myself. I was like, am I just like a sack of shit? <laughs> like, why? I'm like, why can I not focus on a computer screen for eight hours a day? Oh, because like, we're not designed it, to do that. Humans aren't supposed to yeah. do that. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, is everyone doing this except for me? <laughs> this is exactly, like, I, this exactly how I felt my entire and life. And then I would like pop over to my, my neighbor's desk who I was a friend with. And he'd be like, you know, scrolling on his phone. <laughs> you know, he's not like, he's not like, like, and I'm like, oh, so we're all just faking as if we're working for eight hours a day. But that's the thing. It's this, it's some, this product. Some of, of us do. I, okay. Those are few and far between. And I think we all know. Yeah. That. But I really feel like they're few and far between. <laughs> they, they definitely are. And I think it's, it's just back to this facade of everyone being like, oh yes, I'm very productive all the time. And I, I never get off the assembly line, not even for a bathroom break. <laughs> like we, it's, if we would all just be honest together at the same time, no one's going to do it because it makes them look terrible. But if we, I probably get four or five hours of productivity out of a day, if I'm lucky, if I'm having like a really good day four to five hours is like, that's where it's at. And guess what? I get 10 times more done than I ever would have at one of than one of these jobs that I've just am sitting at a desk because your brain is not designed to do that. It's just not, it's we're designed to work in like two hour spurts and then not work for an hour. And then like, that's, that's kind of how our focus is designed in like psychologically. Yet we just go, no, we're just not going to do it that way. Like the science shows it and you'd work better and we'd pay the same amount of money. But for some reason, that's just, no, we're not, that's weird. We're not going to, it's not, it's not okay, brother. I just don't get that. Like, does ever, how does everyone look at it and go studies show that you would actually have boosted productivity, less overhead because you have fewer, fewer hours spent in the office. And they just go, no, we're not doing that. No, not even a <laughs> test. Not even if I was a CEO, that'd be the first thing I'd be doing. I'd be like, oh, no way I could save money. Like, like, I don't understand. Like, even just from a money perspective, let alone yeah. right. from a you good person that perspective. Every company that did that would outcompete the other companies That's what I'm if we truly lived in a market based. Yeah, exactly. If I, if there was a customer, right. Utah, I don't know if you guys know this, but Utah is like the customer, the customer service capital for some reason 
every company has their customer service here. I don't know what it is, but it, it is. And I just think it's because people are nice out here. I think that's, I honestly think that's what it is. Um, but if you were to, if one of these companies was to say, we are offering 40 hours of pay for uh, 32 hours of work, you know, you can end like really flexible shifts. We'll work with you and, and all this stuff. Everyone would work there. Everyone would flock to that place because it just, even if it's this, this crappy kind of job, at least you would get this kind of feeling of flexibility from your work that, and that's what I craved for so long was just to be the ability to just, my brain doesn't work like that. I look at people focusing all day at a job like this and I'm that we're describing and I'm like, are you superhuman? Like, how do you do that? And it's really, it's, they're not like you were saying, like they're, we're not, we're not built like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like now, like not only is it interesting to think about like, what would we do if we had an actual socially driven economy? Like what would we do if we had a research driven society? Yeah. That's, yeah. That, if right? I, if, we have, if we're going to talk about things that are going to happen, that's never going to happen. Right. I, I do not yeah. believe that is ever going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if, if this year and last year convinced me of one thing, it is that. Cody, thanks so much. It's been amazing just chatting about, you know, how terrible the world is, but how how good it could be. Oh, I'd like to give an update. So I did check out my location history through Google. Like I really <laughs> didn't want to do because um, it's really fucking weird that they have saved it, but they have. And I had I now have the name of the sushi place in Salt Lake City that I went to. It is called Takashi. Takashi. I'm writing. I'm literally writing that down because I will have to try that. So good. Anyways, so I just wanted to bring it full circle. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And with that, uh, Cody, I will ask you, you know, I think we're on the precipice of, you know, the pandemic getting really bad again. But for the brief time that, you know, people were like being able to go outside and stuff, were you able to do anything cool, exciting? Or if not, is there anything you are excited to do? Honestly, like, I, uh, I did do a little, um, apart from like podcast movement, which was amazing. Um, I've, I've been able to like, so it's so ironic, but we bought like, uh, memberships to like the local zoo and the aquarium and all these like local places like that right before the pandemic hit. And we never really got to use them that well. So but they're like active now. They, they decided to delay them for a year. So I have a three-year-old. So like, we're going to go to all the play. A lot of them are outdoors, luckily, but we're going to hit like the zoo and all that stuff. It sounds so lame. I'm 29 and I cannot wait to go to the zoo. <laughs> I'm so stoked to go to the zoo. <laughs> I recently nice. went to the San Diego Safari Park. San Diego's and it was sick zoo. Yeah, it was dope. I was like, damn, you know. All right. Cody, this is your time. Please uh, plug whatever you want to plug. Yeah, for sure. Um, So if you have a podcast and you need some help with it or you want to start one or you have any questions at all, uh, you can visit my website, CodyCrab.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter. It's CodyCrab underscore is my handle. Nice. Nice. I actually also have something to plug, which is, yeah. Have you either of you guys heard of the nap ministry? No. 
It's this really cool Instagram account that's like this radical anti-capitalist, like black liberation, racial justice, like like account that is literally just encouraging people to take naps. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! I feel like it's I very relevant that. to this conversation because it's just very anti the grind and talking about how the grind is colonial. You oh, I know, can, I can and it's definitely like, get behind that. Love that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. They have great content. They have an Instagram account. I highly recommend people follow it. <laughs> and uh, as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Twitter. That's our Gmail, and that's our Instagram. Otherwise, bye guys.